0: I wanna tell you, Gary's here because everything you see, everything you consume of his is real. He's not making that up. He doesn't have to study to write his books, he lives it. So he's here not because we're paying him, because we aren't, I'll tell you, He's here for you. <laughs> he's, here, he's here for all of you. So on the count of three, I want everyone to get out of their seats and get as loud as you can for Gary Vaynerchuk. One, two, three.
1: No. Thank you so much. I'm uh I'm super pumped to be here. Wonderful, amazing setting. Uh, a lot of familiar faces and friends I've had for a long time. A ton of faces that I recognize, which is nice because it's nice to see people are actually using their actual pictures on their profiles, not the best fucking picture you ever took in your life kind of stuff. So it's 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 fun for me to see already 10, 20 faces of people I've been interacting with for the last six, 12 months. Obviously. You know, the Ask Gary B show has been an interesting thing for me because it's it's expanded my reach to some new audiences, and so it's fun to make some new friends, and so thanks for having me, and I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to get going.
0: So normally we'd like to start these by just kind of hearing about your background, Yep. Um, but I kind of want to take it even farther back than that. So I don't know, uh, Gary just did a recent episode of the Ask Gary B show with his father, Sasha. Uh, it was a personal favorite of mine, but I think it really gave some some context, much needed context to uh, who you are uh, and how you're able to do what you're, what you're doing and make it look so easy. So tell us about your parents. Um, where did they grow up? And kind of tell us their story leading up to you.
1: So I, I fundamentally believe that my parents never should have been married, which is why I'm so special. I I really don't think my mom marries my dad if she wasn't a Soviet girl, and it wasn't like the old school ways where like, you know, I I really think my dad willed his way into that marriage. (laughs) My parents are super opposite. Um, I think genetically, I used to think I was 100% like my mom. I've come to realize it's maybe 70, 30 now. Uh, My parents are so much my heroes, I, I, it's crazy. As you imagine, I do a lot of stuff. I know a lot of you have heard a lot of my spiel, so I'm, I'm trying to, I, I like where you went with the first question, because I'd like to put out some new stuff tonight. You know, I, always, I never have a good answer for who my business heroes are, because they don't exist. I really don't have any heroes besides my parents. You know, they came to this country in 1978. Uh, this is a very young crowd, but maybe for one or two of you old timers in here, you might remember late 70s, late in the second half of Jimmy Carter's regime. The economy was shit. My dad built buildings in the Soviet Union so he thought he was gonna do construction here in the US because we had a great uncle, my dad had a great uncle who lived in New Jersey, Edison, uh, where we were gonna kind of eventually settle but while we were in Italy, because it took six months to do the paperwork back then to get from, you know, it was Cold War, Russia, you know, they were making sure we weren't spies. So it took six months for us to get the paperwork In that six months that we were in Italy waiting to get to the US, this great uncle passed away. So kind of our safety net went away. We came to the US and um, they had a hundred fucking dollars. We lived in a studio apartment in Queens, New York with eight family members. I know many of you've heard that. But that's, you know, you might have heard me say it 10 times, it doesn't take away from the fact that that's kind of crazy ass shit, right? Like it's, (laughs) it's, it's a very funny place to start. My dad got a bunch of side jobs. One of them was to be a stock boy in a liquor store in Clark, New Jersey for two bucks an hour. Uh, and that's how they started. My parents basically didn't buy anything for themselves from 1978 to 1985. You know, it's, you, know you can really save some money by not buying anything. <laughs> and so they grew up in a different time. You know, they came to this country when they were 23 years old, um, started at zero. Even to this day, it's funny, I've been reading a lot, and I don't like to read, as you guys know, I've been reading some random articles about how when your entire DNA or world is based on saving money, how later in your life, you don't know how to spend it. And I'm so passionate to get my parents to spend some of their money on themselves. You know, I keep reminding them, I'm like, look, I don't need your fucking money. AJ doesn't need your money. My sister needs some of it, uh, but, you know, but, but for the most part, I don't know what you're planning on, what do you think's gonna happen with this stuff? Like, Please enjoy, and, you know, and they're young. My parents are 62, 61, 60, they're young, uh, but they are, they're old. You know? They both lost a parent before they were 15. My mom lost her mom when she was five. Um, real struggle shit, and so you know, I think a lot of you know, I talk a lot about gratitude, and being grateful and all those things. And it's not just because, I you know, I came from a smaller place into some nice stuff, it's because my parents really struggled. My dad lost his dad when he was 15, for anybody in here, and I'm lucky that I don't know this, but I've heard, somebody said something once that really hit me and says, you don't become a real man until your dad dies. And um, And so, you know, I don't know, I just, I admire them so much, the reason, you know, Obviously, you saw that episode. For the people that saw it, so many people comment that they saw a different version of me in that for all the content I put out. It's because those are the two, you know, it's funny. I even tell people now, and this is true, I really don't love my kids more than I love my parents. And I know that's the thing, and that's the politically correct thing to do, and I'm all about Xander and Misha, and I love them with all my heart. And to their credit, I'm starting to, like, love them more every day. (laughs) But... I'm in I'm in a place where I don't I I just love my parents to such an extreme, Um, you know, and and I think that you know yeah I want to buy the Jets, but but uh, (laughs) but but nothing makes me happier than making my parents proud. Um, I'm I'm very driven by making my parents proud.
0: So uh, when when you were a kid, did you really know what was going on? Like, did you? Did you understand the sacrifices that they were making, or did you not until later?
1: No, because I think we all like live in your context, right? Like when I got two Star Wars figures for my sixth birthday, I thought I was rich, right? Like I was like, "What the fuck?" You know, like (laughs) two, (laughs) you know. And so, no, no, definitely not. I think it became more contextual. It really, you know, it's really funny. I didn't really grow up, you know, the the. People that I surround, like some of my contemporaries and business associates, you know, are so foreign to me. You know, like it's crazy hanging out with a lot of the other successful tech people from the last decade. So many of them have such a more, you know, grew up in decent situations. Definitely, you almost always went to really good schools, which I didn't. Made a lot of relationships in those Stanfords and Harvards, you know, are are definitely more black and white book smart. I'm just playing a little bit of a different game. Um, I think it works for me. I think it's why I feel an affinity towards everybody in this room and why I think they feel an affinity towards me and will schlep and fly. I think I'm playing more of an EQ game. Uh, and... Um,
0: break, break that down for us. What do you well, mean there, by you know, emotional intelligence, right?
1: Well, there's only two intelligences. You just like fucking know shit um, or you just know people and it's intuitive and it's emotional. And As a matter of fact, in my last will that I wrote, I wrote that if we ever discover in the human race how to test for emotional intelligence that i want to be dug up and tested (laughs) because i think i'm off the fucking charts (laughs) all time baby and so uh um yeah I, I, i didn't know um but every day that goes by it becomes more
0: obvious what was the first thing that really made you you know realize what you were meant to be when was that moment
1: You know, I uh, somewhere in middle school I started sensing that <laughs> I was going to be a little bit of a different player. You know, I, I started becoming such a bad student, like you know, like really D's and F's. Like, it's so funny. So many of my friends still think that I, that means B's and C's. Like, like I re- like, like you're what, just my old ulti- yeah, like that. I'm just kind of like playing like my ultimate throwback Thursday is I'm desperately reaching out to my high school to see if I can stop by and take a picture of a report card. Like it's fucking F, 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 D. (laughs) A for gym, B for history because I liked it, and then F and D, right? So somewhere around junior high, I started having these things happen where my teachers were telling me that I was a loser and I was gonna lose, which only weirdly made me feel like I was gonna win. And, And this is... This is way before internet. This is not when entrepreneurship is sex. I'm so pissed that I'm not a fifth grader right now with entrepreneurship (laughs) being sexy. Like, I'd be perfect. I'd be set. I wouldn't have any pushback. My teachers would be like, you're gonna be big. But...
0: But you paved the way though, you know?
1: I paved the way but I ate all the shit. (laughs) Um, You know, and I didn't pave the way because nobody was thinking that way. This was prime time 80s, which was go to college, get a good job, that was being sold. My teachers definitely didn't know what to do with me. Um, And, uh, but I started selling shit. Whether it was lemonade, later baseball cards, I I talked about a story I completely forgot my dad brought up, the mini flea market that I opened one summer and sold random shit from our house. (laughs) I, uh, I knew. I knew probably in fifth or sixth grade that I was going to be more successful than everybody in my class combined. Did they know? No. 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 And, and I'm actually really curious if I'm now fundamentally more financially successful in my entire graduating high school class. Uh, I secretly really want that in a fuck you kind of way.
0: Um, were you doubted then when you were getting those D's and F's? Not just by the teachers, but by classmates, like parents of, uh, of kids
1: no every you know some of you have really started to get to know me i uh i'm very driven i'm driven now like let's not get it twisted there's plenty of people winning on the point scale of money or fame or successes more than me i'm i love losing like when teach when teachers and parents were putting me down to either put me down or to prop up their own child I was like, good, fucking feed me, bitch. You know, like, like I, I like it. Like I actually, if you watch carefully, like as soon as I started hitting the apex of the wine industry, my eye started to wander. I already can taste, I'm finally, Vayner's gonna start getting less interesting for me over the next four to five years because if you're in the advertising world, all of a sudden we've gone from, oh, Twitter guy thinks he's gonna come to the ad world and cause some ruckus to, oh fuck, he might really do this. <laughs> which is then gonna turn into the next 36 to 48 minutes like, oh fuck, he did it, right? And as soon as they're like, he did it, I'm like, all right, I gotta go to something else. And so, I I love the climb. I, I truly believe the definition of an entrepreneur is loving the process more than the things you get out of it. I don't like the stuff, I don't want watches, fuck cars, I don't need planes, I don't need dick. I need the process, I need to buy the jets, period. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and then and then move the Jets to L.A., right? What's that? And then move the Jets to L.A.? No moving the Jets oh, okay. to
1: L.A. As a matter of fact, I got scared that Woody was going to do that at one point. But we're in good shape. <laughs> I think you're getting the Chargers and the Raiders, so.
0: <laughs> we'll, so take, we'll take that. the Chargers for sure. So, um, when you started working for your dad's business. Yeah. Walk us through that transition uh, and how you just started, you know, at the ground floor and then actually had to take it over.
1: I paid $280 for a table at the Phillipsburg Mall in New Jersey to do a baseball card show, was prepping for it at 6 a.m. and my dad walked in at 7 o'clock when I was 14 and said, you're coming to work. And I'm like, no, no, no. (laughs) Uh, And and, uh, you know, you got to see the different side of my dad in the video. (laughs) Sasha Vaynerchuk's like, you're coming to fucking work. (laughs) (laughs) So I start crying heavily, like straight up crying. I get in the car, I'm crying for 10, 15 minutes of the drive. Like, like crying, I'm 14 and I'm a sensitive character. I'm crying. And uh, finally I compose myself and I, cause it's a 45 minute drive. And I go, Dad, how much are you gonna pay me? And he said, two bucks an hour. And then I really started fucking crying. <laughs> uh, and I hated it. I hated it every weekend for the first year. I got sent to the basement, I bagged ice, I was paired up with an employee making $7 an hour who hated my dad, all of them did, because my dad was running that store like a Soviet regime. <laughs> so here comes a long undersized 14-year-old son of the guy you fucking hate. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs>
0: At least they knew you were getting paid less than oh, him. Oh man,
1: right? uh, it was really rough. I really disliked it uh, for the first year, year and a half. Um, Finally, somewhere around 16, I was allowed to come upstairs. Uh, And that's when it started getting more interesting. Customers would come in, I'd watch their behavior. Uh, So much of what I've been right about with apps and startups is predicated on things I think I learned as a 15, 16 year old, both at baseball card shows and as a retailer, of just watching how people responded to things. And I've been able to, whether that was in me or it was learned, it definitely had to be some part of the process. I'm very, very, very good at understanding what you guys are gonna do. It's been really good for me. It's, uh, it's been very good for me. And so, that started becoming interesting. Uh, that's why I think I'm a good salesman. Um, and then I fell in love with the idea that people collected wine. I was into collecting stuff. That was the real hook. That's when the transformation happened. That happened around 16.
0: And you were already talking the wine language? You knew your stuff?
1: I started really knowing my stuff by the time, 16 to 17, my junior year of high school, I really learned, you know, when you're a DNF student, there's a lot of good things that come along with that, which is, you could just walk right into class with the Wine Spectator and read it all day, and your teacher's like, who gives a shit? The kid's a loser. (laughs) So, So, I was taking advantage of that. Literally, I would literally walk into science with the Wine Spectator, get comfortable, open up the Wine Spectator and start reading as science class was being conducted, and my teacher, Mr. Bajer's like, Whatever. <laughs> he was a real fucking Grateful Dead smokehead. He didn't give a fuck. <laughs> so, and so, uh, and so I, that's when I got very book smart. Uh, and that's when it got interesting to me. I'm like, wait a minute, I will read something if it's interesting to me, you know? It started, be, it started kind of transitioning and so that's kind of how it happened. I really felt deep in love. And, and I had a major, major, major plot of not going to college and going directly into my parents' store but my parents were embarrassed for me not to go to college um, and so, you know, Mount fucking Ida College sent a postcard in my mail one day, which I filled out. It was three lines. Your name, your address, and your phone number. And I never visited. I got an email, I got an email, my ass. I got a postcard back that said, you're, you're in. I said, Pshoo! and I literally went to Newton, Mass in August 29th of that year and walked in and had no idea where the fuck I was. I'd mean, like. mean It was insane how checked out before I ever started college was. I would go home every weekend and work at the liquor store instead of like drinking beer and hooking up with chicks. I was super focused that I was gonna build the best wine company. And it's funny, right now I have a video going extremely viral on uh, Facebook. It was my talk at USC, ironically. And uh, so there's a ton of people that have never heard of me commenting and some guy just left a comment just as I was walking here back to like loving the climb. He's like, fuck this guy. This guy's just talking about marketing. He's never run a business. (laughs) He doesn't know how to make money. And I'm just like, I just replied, I'm like, yo, here's my phone number, partner, call me. Let me tell you about how I make money. Like, it's just like, I love that. I, I recognize that the way I communicate and the DNA that I have and how I roll speaks to huckster, black hat, full of shit. I love that because... Before I ever said a word to anybody, to anybody, I spent 15 years plotting and nine years operating, 15 hours a day building a bricks and mortar retail store from a three million, oh oh by the way the part I don't talk a lot about, 10% gross profit business to a $60 million, 29% gross profit business. Like, I feel very confident in knowing that I know what the fuck I'm doing as an operator and I want more people to keep thinking that I don't and that I write books and that I talk because it only feeds me to want to do it again and again and again and I want that feeling forever and that's why I don't think I'll ever, I truly believe that I will never really fully capitalize on all the money or all the opportunities because I think I always leave a little bit on the table because I want to keep playing. I want to keep playing and I think that that's the part that I'm curious about in the audience which is what's the divide For you, between how much do you want to keep playing and how much do you want the fruits that come along with success in winning the game? I find it stunningly interesting that you know, of course I like like having money, but I am I am equally as happy right now as I was paying myself twenty-seven thousand dollars a year at twenty-three years old. Because The building of the game, and I really do believe that separates me and the people in this audience that have that from the people that don't. That they think it's a means to an end, that they'll make more money doing it themselves versus working for somebody. And to me, that's the pure definition of entrepreneurship.
0: So Did your dad already know you're gonna take over the wine business when was it decided that you were you were next?
1: We never really talked about it But I think my dad and and I think he alluded to in the show very quickly understood that I could sell shit right like like as a 15 year old never tasting a sip of wine in my life He's like that wine needs to sell and then like by the afternoon It was all gone and meanwhile they tried to sell it for a month and like I was 15 and I looked four. Right? So like imagine walking into a wine store and seeing like a four foot seven, like baby face kid being like, this is the good shit. I mean like, you know. Like, I mean, when I think back to like what people must have been thinking, but for me it was so serious. I was like, I can do this, right? So I think he knew. I think he knew fairly quickly. And, and something great happened. Thank God for me, I think. As soon as I got home, May of 98, to start being involved, My dad was in the process of building a new home for, like the dream home for mom and dad. And so he's a builder at heart, more than a retailer I even think. So he was busy building. And in that first year we went from four to 10 million in sales while he was busy building. And by the time he was done building and he came, he was like, huh, that's interesting. And I think he didn't want to disrupt the progression. And then next year we did 15.7, you know, and that was it. I it I mean, at that point when you're doing four million and you go to 15.7, and this is pre-internet, pre-cash infusion, not the way businesses can blow up now, no, no internet. You know, this was hard grinding four to 15 million in two years, and so it was even more flabbergasted. And so uh, that was, there was never a discussion. There wasn't even a discussion of me phasing out, which was way weirder. Um, my dad and I just kind of like roll.
0: You're on the same page, it seems like, right? In, in regards.
1: You know what? What wh- I will tell you this, and, and I don't know how many, pe- how many people here have ever been in or are in a family business. Raise your hands. So like, fuck, right? Like, and I think the thing that really is huge for me and my dad is I truly believe that we both love each other more than we love the business. By an inch. <laughs> By an inch. But that inch is the saving grace. And... Um, and that's why it works.
0: So those are big numbers, right? That, in the first couple years. And I don't think, you don't just go from selling shit to that kind of growth. Yeah. Tell us what you were doing, Like, what, what was that hustle like? And, and this is pre-internet, so you were doing something completely different to, to I would, grow that quickly, right?
1: I, I was selling shit. In scale? It, no, in just like pure, yes, but like it was really, those first two years were really the fact that any human being that walked into the wine library had the unfortunate aspect of me completely attacking them and trying to extract as many dollars out of their wallet as possible. People would be like, where's the beer section? I'm like, you need some Chardonnay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, at the first year or two, because we didn't have money. I didn't have money to the answer that I think you were probably leading me towards, which was the next phase, which was year three, which was hiring people, building infrastructure, teaching them what I wanted collecting data and remarketing to it, starting an email service when nobody knew. How many people have done email marketing in their career? 100,000 people in the first year with 90% open rates and 74% click through. Because it was 1998 and nobody was ruining email marketing yet, (laughs) nobody was doing it, everyone was like, oh, an email, I read all of those. In the same way that Instagram ads come this December are gonna work for the people that move quickest here, and, but they won't work as well as that email because everybody knows Facebook's working. Everybody here, I see people shaking their head, knows Instagram's gonna work. But still, people are gonna be as slow and whoever can pour the most money in smartly up front will get $3 cost per user, $2 CPM, which will in 24 months be $9, $13. The big breakthrough for me was Google AdWords. Nobody knew what the fuck that was. I bought the word wine for five cents before it went to 10 cents. Owned it for nine months before anybody bid me up. I'm getting 10 cent clicks on Google AdWords for the word wine. That was huge customer acquisition. And so that's really my theme. I think, I think a lot of you do know this. My, my game is very simple. Where is the attention while the rest of the market doesn't think the attention is there? Use it like crazy. Figure it out. Know how to play there. If it goes away, Vine, social cam, (laughs) clerk for some of you old time web 2.0 people. If it goes away, cool. Because all you need is one, YouTube. Two, Twitter, you know. All you need is one or two to really work. I mean, I'm at 125,000 followers on Instagram. If I was playing my thesis on Instagram three years ago, I'd be at five, six, seven hundred thousand. That's too bad, I missed out. I was too busy with Vayner doing other things that I didn't play it. Plus, I thought of it too much as a utility up front. I don't like taking pictures, so I missed out. That's what, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at, but I left hundreds of thousands of, and as we all know, Instagram right now owns the attention graph. People are actually seeing those photos. They're consuming it, um, so I have no idea what the fuck you asked, but let's go to the next question.
0: Next question, all right. <laughs> So uh, YouTube. When you talk about YouTube, right? Yeah. I mean that plays into the theme just what you're talking about about marketing in the year that we're actually living in. Yeah. Talk to us about what you did with YouTube and Wine Library. February
1: twenty first, two thousand six. Less than a year after YouTube launched, I started Wine Library TV, and everybody, like, I mean, ninety percent of America didn't know what YouTube was. Just that short period ago, and I knew. I just knew this thing was going to be huge. And YouTube is the absolute transition of my career. YouTube comes, I believe in it, I start this show, it gets big, I start selling a fuckload of wine because of it, and I'm not spending any money. This is organic. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting, no ad, (laughs) like not paying for this, this I like. It works, it works, it works, it sells to Google for 1.8 billion dollars, which was, now we're in this bullshit like billionaire unicorn land. Guys, 1.8 billion dollars in 2007 was like, a gazillion, right? I read an article about it. It says, Ron Conway, angel investor, sent to make a gadrillion on his $25,000 or $100,000 investment. I'm like, what the fuck is an angel investor? I ironically Google the word angel investor. I read it, and I go, and that's literally, like I can feel the moment right now in my office where, where I taped the old shows. I was like, I'm gonna be an angel investor. <laughs> Because what I'd realized at that moment was I was so right about YouTube, I was so right about email marketing, I was so right about e 1996 e-com, a lot of you were kids. 1996 e-com, people told me the internet was a fad. That nobody in a million years would buy wine on the internet. Literally, literally, it'd be like me telling you like, look, I'm opening up the next wine library on the moon and we're gonna take you know, Virgin flights, and I believe, like, and that's like how people reacted to dot com. And so, and so, that was the moment when I was like, fuck man, I'm too right about where the world's going to just use it to sell a couple of more cases of Pinot Noir. I need to up my game, I just turned 30, I was starting to freak out. I freaked the fuck out when I turned 30. I was like, I'm not buying I'm not buying the Jets. I'm not even gonna buy a toy jet if I don't change my behavior, <laughs> right? And so I knew that I had to up my game, that 30 to 40 was gonna be in a massively important decade for me to establish and that, yes, I made it and I built a huge business, but at the level that I thought I had in me, at the caliber that I was selling to myself and to everybody else, I haven't just been talking this Jets game since I've started having people care about what I say. This is third grade, fifth grade, ninth grade. Um, and so it was a big moment for me. YouTube selling to Google was absolutely the watershed moment where I was like, I gotta get my shit together. The next thing that I think is gonna be big, I'm gonna be an angel investor. That next thing became Twitter.
0: So uh, tell us about that. I mean, right into Twitter. I how went did just, you find I, it, I how long to, I decided after?
1: I was gonna be in a tech game. I went to South by Southwest. It was a bunch of fucking tech hippies. Nobody was talking about business in 2007 at all. Nothing. There wasn't a businessman in fucking sight in Austin, Texas in 2007. It was all people like, we're gonna change the world. We're gonna make it awesome. I'm like, I might sell wine. They're like, you're gonna sell? You're, you're the Antichrist. I'm like, fuck, I'm kidding. I'm gonna give wine to everybody. <laughs> uh, so I was like, shit. I'm like, these guys and girls are playing a whole different game. This is some hippie, dippy shit. But there's some selling here. I'm gonna like this. So I started really trying to learn. And that's when Twitter broke and everybody was like playing with it. And don't let anybody bullshit you. Everybody was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. This is stupid. Who cares? Nobody cares if you eat a hot dog. Who cares if you're eating pizza? What the fuck? This is stupid. And I was like, wait a minute. I think this is like email. People follow you. You say something. They're going to see it. They text you. This phone thing's really growing. And wait. If they like it, they pass it on to friends. This is like, I mean, this is getting into like gnarly old school email back in the day. I used to write email in 96 that was completely written in a way that asked you pretty hardcore, like I would call right hook or at least elude you to sending it to your entire address book. I don't know how many of you remember this, but email behavior back in the day, 20 years ago, is when you liked something, you forwarded it to your entire address book. That was old school sharing. So that's where Twitter got me. I'm like, huh, this reminds me of that. You can share in this ecosystem. The first time I thought about the word share. So I was like, yeah, yeah, it's stupid. And then like the next week I flew to San Francisco, went to a coffee shop and said, does anybody know where Twitter is? <laughs> Found Twitter. <laughs> and there Jack and I mean literally there was nine of them. And uh, I said, hey, I want to be involved. And there was nothing to be involved. I didn't know. I was like, I'm going to be an angel messer. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Uh, So I was like, okay, cool. Step back again. Slow the jersey down. Become friends. I became very friendly with the CTO. His name was Blaine Cook. For some of you that remember Twitter 2007, early 2008, it was never up. It was down a lot. Blaine took the blame for that. He got forced out. He became very disgruntled. And he... um, He wanted to sell all his shares, all of them. Fuck you, Twitter. The company was valued at $50 million at the time. And so uh, he called me, he's like, Gary, I'd like you to buy my shares you said you wanted to be in. I said, I'm interested. He's like, I'm gonna sell them all. I said, please don't. I'm like, I really think you're making a mistake, Blaine. You're a good guy. Don't even give me all of it, like keep some. He sold it all to me, the Betaworks guys, Fred Wilson and Kevin Rose, every share. Uh, I I think, you know, just to give you context, he probably made a couple million dollars, two, three, four. He probably left 700 to $2 billion on the table. Emotion, emotional decisions are really, really bad in business, and the far majority of people that I know in this room, uh, in the game, make a ton of them. And my dad was alluding to it in the episode. I am stunningly, and I'm emotional as fuck, as you guys know. But when it comes to the actual business decision, I completely try to suck out any of my own feelings out of the decision, and I think a lot of people make that mistake. That's one of the classic mistakes. But that was my first foray into investing, and that's how it happened.
0: I have to ask this question just because you said that. If you're owning, if you own the Jets, and it's a business, and you love the Jets, isn't that a little? Is that at that point,
1: I've decided that I'm not going to treat the Jets like a business because I'll be old, and I'm going to treat it like a vanity project. As a matter of fact. I've actually decided recently that I'm gonna be on the team. <laughs> I've, decided, I've decided that I'm gonna take this crazy ownership thing to the next level. Like, cool, you could be on the sideline, Jerry Jones, Cuban. I'm actually gonna start. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes.
0: Middle linebacker, right? Middle no. linebacker?
1: No, like, maybe, maybe like quarterback. <laughs> I'm actually gonna dress up for a game. I'm completely convinced. I don't give a fuck.
0: Let's make it happen. You should tweet that so that can get him on the, on the 40-man roster. So,
1: so that's how it started. Then I made a video. I, uh, I got offered a TV show. How many of you remember me from the wine world when I was doing that? So I got offered a Bravo and Food Network. Bravo and Food Network in 2009 were fighting over getting me to do a TV show about wine. And the offer got big. And, when I, and I wanted to go to Bravo, because I thought Bravo was on, on the come up, right? They just had Queer Eye. It was just starting to happen. Food Network was Too food. I've, and I, I, I liked the, I, I think I called that right, and it would have been great for me. And on the flight home, from when I thought I was gonna do the deal and sign it, I didn't sign, I flew home, and I decided I didn't want to be America's wine guy. That at the end of the day, I, in my true essence, I was a businessman, and that I had to follow that through. I landed at six o'clock, I emailed and said I'm not gonna do the show, and that was that afternoon I launched GaryVaynerchuk.com and made my first business video. The third business video I ever made was Facebook should be worried about Twitter and ranted about why I thought Twitter was this up and coming platform. It went viral inside of Facebook. Dave Morin, the head of platform, emailed me, said Mark asked me to email you, would you come to Facebook and talk about why you think this? I flew to Facebook, uh, spoke in what front of, this year? was 2009, spoke in front of their 400 employees. <laughs> and did my thing, went well. Mark came up to me and said, can you have dinner tonight? We had dinner, we hit it off, started friendship and a year later I bought a shitload of Facebook stock for Mark's parents and that was my second investment.
0: And then were you already, you had already real Crush It by this time?
1: I had I bought Facebook. Yeah, I I had just written Crush It. That's right. I wrote Crush It. I started VaynerMedia in May. My daughter was born in May. Crush It came out in October. Crush It went crazy, which changed my speaking career because at the same time that summer I gave a Web 2.0 I gave a talk. The whole you know Smurf It Up thing that I know a lot of you've seen <laughs> that went crazy because TED kind of grabbed it and ran with it, and just a ton of fucking good shit happened in 2009. I'm down with 2009. <laughs> uh, and that's why Vayner took two years for me to get involved with. I was so busy being Gary Vee with Crush It! and speaking and invest. At this point I'd invested in Tumblr in 2009, December 2009. How about this for how different the world was? Tumblr's B round that I invested in, B, series B, was a $14 million valuation. Now like two random people in this room with an idea want 10. <laughs> from yeah. the get. Tonight. Tonight. Yeah. So, and so uh, yeah, those were the first three things I put in, my money into. The next two were Buddy Media and Wildfire. I was on a roll. I mean, when I wasn't an investor, I was much smarter.
0: Were there losses in there though?
1: Yo Bongo. I lost a fuckload of money on Yo Bongo and Yo Bongo kills me because Yo Bongo is in essence what I thought, what Tinder is, is what I wanted Yo Bongo to be. Um, I loved that fucking company. I'm so pissed. Uh, yeah, there was t- there was losses, but not, I mean, my disproportionate wins happened in five of my first eight investments. Um, I've gotten stupider.
0: <laughs> well, because Twitter was kind of this polarizing idea where a lot of people thought, oh, this is dumb, but it really did hit it and go big. Did it change the way you looked at new companies? Did you think, okay, even if I think this is stupid, there might be a market for this, or this might be something I should look at again?
1: No. The- the, the thing that's working for me, even though I've gotten stupider, I think I've got a couple of brewing wins and they have to play out. Um, I only bet on two things. Do I believe in the thesis? Like I personally, me, Gary, believe in this? Or two, do I disproportionately believe in the jockey? Do I believe so much in the entrepreneur that even though I think the idea is dick, even if they lose, I wanna make sure that we're homies for her next idea and then thus I'm there And and, uh, I think that that, you know, look, Odeo didn't work for Ev. All those investors that bailed on Twitter are kicking themselves and that one's crazy because he already sold Blogger to Google. He'd already been a proven winner. To me, I think there's so many first-time entrepreneurs in the game. Meanwhile, for the same price, I can bet on people that have had two successful exits. And not that, look, you're gonna miss out. Look, Snapchat, Pinterest. These are first-time entrepreneurs. Um, so so, there's all kinds, but to me it's only two things. I believe in this thesis, virtual reality. Uh, virtual currency for eight to 15 year olds because they can't pay yet, that's not using their parent's credit card. Massively interesting to me. Uh, smart technology on every product in the world. Um, the box market, I still think the box market is grossly undervalued. Birchbox, BarkBox are killing it. Everybody, like I think people don't realize how good of a model that is. So, uh, media and commerce, thrill lists and jack threads. If I believe in the thesis, I'll bet. Uh, and then the only other thing that will ever make me bet if I don't believe in the, in the idea is the person.
0: So you just have, you have a new investment right in Casey Neistat's company? Yep. Talk about that, tell us, uh, what it's Beam, is, is that Beam. the Beam,
1: yep. Okay. He's done a really good job getting hyped. Uh, I think it's absolutely got the potential to be the next version of social which is I could be sitting right now with smart glasses and people would be seeing what I'm seeing. Obviously I'm meerkatting and so people are seeing it from this perspective. But I think a lot of people would like to see what Beyonce's seeing when she's singing in front of 80,000 people. It's a perspective we haven't seen yet. I think we're always gonna be curious. Guys, everything I make my bets on are things we've done long before the internet came along. Let me give you an example. You all sit in a fuckload of traffic because of rubbernecking. We're that nosy. Like, it's just a fucking car on the side of the road, but we have to fucking look, right? And so, like, reality TV happened before, like, this all makes sense to me, so that, Mimi, I think, has a real shot. Casey is extremely talented. That was me betting on both the thesis and the horse. Um, And I'm real, and don't forget, he had a product guy from Tumblr, so I knew him, too. Like, I think they've got a really interesting shot. They'll lose if they're too early, but it will happen. We will follow people and just see plenty of people here are super pumped at the thought of me putting on glasses all day and them going to those meetings and seeing these shit, it's interesting. And I'm interested in watching a backup offensive lineman for the Jets put that on as he's trying to make the team. And so we all have our interests and there's a perspective we've never seen, that will happen. Um, I, I'm desperately hoping it's gonna be them, uh, but it will happen. And, and I think uh, that's, that's that.
0: And then talk to us about Meerkat too, because you invested in them as well, right? How'd, yeah, so, how'd you find those guys, and then what uh, what's I've been, happened since then?
1: I've been following Ben, the entrepreneur, for a while. He had VU and the Israeli entrepreneur that I've been fascinated by. Ben reminds me a lot of Dennis Crowley. You know, Dennis, before he did Foursquare, did Dodgeball. There's certain entrepreneurs that are, have a tick about a space. Ben has done two things in live streaming before he did Meerkat, I, I, and I like that, right? Like, I'm like, this is an itch he needs to scratch. He's not going from, you know, from drone racing to selfie app to bubblegum app. Like, this has been where he's playing. When I invested in Meerkat, I already knew that Periscope was a day, or a, a day. and it ended up being two weeks, but I knew that Periscope was gonna launch any day. Um, Meerkat had those, if you guys remember, I know a lot of you did. Meerkat had that great weekend where it started happening and, uh, and I had to make a decision. And uh, my decision was, I believe in the jockey. I think this Periscope thing's gonna be a real problem because Twitter's gonna use its disproportionate leverage to win. I think Meerkat can innovate because I believe in Ben. And more importantly, there's no opportunity investing in Periscope. It's already owned by Twitter. I can't.
0: Why did Periscope buy Twitter and not Meerkat? Why did Twitter, buy, Twitter Periscope. buy Periscope? Yeah, exactly. Uh,
1: it was out earlier. Periscope was developed a year earlier. Per- Twitter bought Periscope a year earlier before it even launched.
0: So. And then by the time that Meerkat had blown up, Periscope was already acquired. Any
1: again. second. I'm sure Twitter was super frustrated that that even happened because they were like on the inches of launching it. Uh, and, then, and then so, and, and here's why and this will be an interesting thing for you. This is putting on a VC hat, which I know a lot of people don't put on all the time. It was a $50 million valuation. I had a chance to write a $500,000 check. I have a $25 million fund. I couldn't afford not to bet on it in case it won. If Meerkat wins, because it's not over, but you know, clearly Periscope is in the lead in my opinion. But if Meerkat innovates, you know, the pass the baton they just did or something else, if they win, you have to understand, it's a four, 10, 12 billion dollar company. This, Meerkat isn't gonna be a 40 million dollar company. It's got that kind of upside. And so the, the math of it plays out that it was worth me losing all that money because the upside was too great because consumer facing apps at scale don't come along so often, you know. It's been a, you know, if you look at Facebook, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Pinterest, LinkedIn, Instagram, Snapchat, there, there's just not that many guys. And so you've got to bet if you have even an inclining that something could be one of those. It's too big to pass on, and so it was also all those variables. I just gave you the full insight into my mind to why I went
0: there. Awesome. So uh, Vayner RSE. Yes. Tell us all about it, who your partner is, why you started it, and uh, what your plans are with the fund.
1: Uh, AJ's my brother, he's 11 years younger than me, he's my partner in VaynerMedia, and I knew at some point, you know, he he got married a couple weeks, uh, a month ago, I, I knew he was very serious with his girlfriend, I knew he would somewhere around 25, 26, 27, start thinking about his financial world. So I always knew in the back of my mind that I had a year or two or three to really rev up VaynerMedia's revenue. And, and I knew that there would have to be some sort of event so that AJ could get some dollars um, and start his life the way he wanted to and the way I knew he wanted to. I never wanted to sell any of the Vayner. Uh, Matt Higgins, the former president of the Jets, who was our first client, went and started working for the Miami Dolphins owner, Steve Ross, who's also one of the biggest real estate developers in the world and is also the 176th richest man. He's worth $4.6 billion. Um, and from day one that Higgins went to Ross, he knew how much of a secret weapon I was for him. I told him Twitter was gonna be big. I told him Uber was gonna be big. You know, this is, by the way, being right is the greatest leverage of all. Like, you know, never waver if you think you're right. Always have conviction because if you're right, it becomes disproportionately valuable. That's what happened with me and with Matt. Matt became massively influential with Steve. They wanted to do things outside of real estate. He started courting to buy Vayner. Vayner went from three to seven to 14 to 23 to four. uh, I didn't want to sell, but what happened was I was writing a lot of personal checks. I was starting to think about, did I want to start a fund? And we were able to put together a deal for Ross to buy a minority share, put up all $25 million into a $25 million seed fund. Uh, And you know, Steve Ross is one of the first people I've ever met, he's 75 years old and he's, who I want to be when I grow up. I mean, I was talking to Steve last night. It's worth $4.6 billion. And I was on email with him last night from 12.07 to 1 o'clock in the morning uh, talking about an investment we made in VaynerRC called the June Oven. Did you guys see this oven, the June? If you haven't, please check it out. It's a smart oven. You put a chicken into it. It knows it's a chicken. It cooks it perfectly. <laughs> so, I was talking it's a to a different him. space for you. Yeah, I mean, but it's, but it's not, if you've heard things I love, smartification of everything in the world. Ovens are shit, make them smart, they'll cook our stuff perfect, and that's gonna work. <laughs> um, so, so, I mean, Jesus Christ, right? We wrote a $150,000 fucking measly check into this company at a $10 million valuation. We owe nothing of it. He's worth $4.6 billion and we're going back and forth on email to try to make it successful at one o'clock in the morning. That's fucking rad. That's loving the game more than the stuff. And uh, and so, I never thought I'd have a partner in my life outside my family, but the right guy came along um, and uh, I'm enjoying it tremendously. And I'm raising another fund right now actively uh, because we've spent most of the money because I put it all into Snapchat. <laughs> and uh, and that's what's going on.
0: So. Uh Taking a step back to VaynerMedia. Yeah. Um, tell us about your relationship with your brother and how VaynerMedia started and kind of the early days leading up to uh, more recent times. I
1: was completely wrong in 2009 thinking that we were in a tech bubble. This Tumblr, 14 million is crazy. Um, and uh, I, I was scared that AJ would be a tech entrepreneur. I'm scared for a lot of people here that they're young tech entrepreneurs which means Go raise a fuckload of money. Have no idea how to run an actual business. Money's running out. Go raise more money. It's just an arbitrage financially. It's not running a P&L. It's not running a business. I'm completely convinced that 98% of the players in the space, I'm talking about 98% of this room and our overall space get wiped out when we, shit hits the fan in a, t- from tomorrow to the next five years.
0: So we are in a bubble right now.
1: I don't know if we're in a bubble. I wouldn't call it a bubble because there'll be big wins out of this. We're in a place where eventually economic impact will happen and 99% of people are playing only to make it to the next funding round and they will go out of business. Circa, one of my favorite investments that just went out of business, couldn't raise more money even though the economy's good, so they went out of business because they're not making any money. I didn't want my brother to be that guy. I wanted him to know how to run a business and so brands were pounding me after Crush It, excuse me, pre-crush it after the Web 2.0 talk and I had 300,000 or 500,000 or 800,000 followers on Twitter when, every, when, a, when Pepsi had nine. <laughs> and, uh, and so they were pounding me and, uh, and uh, I just decided you know, this was a good opportunity. Agency life is a, is a tough game, it's a P&L game. And, uh, and, and more importantly, long term, I wanted to build brands or buy brands and I thought that I would use the agency's best people to do that. So I wanted to scale the one skill that I thought I had, which was this incredible disproportionate ability to market, but it was in me. What would happen if I built a huge company, built family, and then had, right now, I have 75 to a 100 real family members at Vayner. Of the 550 people that work at VaynerMedia, 75 of them, if offered double their salary, would not leave. Um, and that's incredible, and that leads me clap to Clap that a,
0: up, clap that up.
1: And by the way, that's not hyperbole. They proudly forward me the recruiting emails they get from other <laughs> agencies and say, look, I'm making 60K, I just got offered 110K. I have student loans and I'm not leaving. That's how much I believe in you. And that is enormous pressure, but I like that. That's who I am and I'm gonna deliver on that. So, you know, that's what AJ and I did and we, we started the company and for the first year and a half, he ran that company because I was very busy. I got the clients, no question. I mentored him, but he, he grinded it. It was tough, it was tough. We weren't super into it, at one point I want, he, we almost sold it for a million dollars to Buddy Media, which weirdly might have worked out because after they sold to Salesforce, <laughs> we would have made a fortune, but um, we were really not in it. Client services sucks, I hate, you know having clients sucks, it's tough, it's not easy. I'm in meetings talking to social media with a 25 year old brand manager who took one social media course <laughs> in a college and they're trying to tell me and I'm like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you know, uh, and, so, and so, but in August 2000, oh, here's a story I've never told. In August 2011, I just stopped Daily Grape, which was the next version of Wine Library TV. I did 80 episodes of it. I knew I was done with wine video, so after five years of wine video, I stopped. I was fading out of day-to-day operations of Wine Library. I built the infrastructure and I had a decision to make go to, you guys are gonna love this, go and become the CEO of VaynerMedia for real and run it, or do a partnership that was on the table, I mean, I was this close to doing this, launch a vodka where I and Usher were gonna be the face of the brand.
2: <laughs>
1: so, in, <laughs> In September 2011, I was either gonna start a new vodka brand with me and Usher, and it was gonna be cool, we were gonna launch on the Ellen show, it was gonna be like, me and Usher, walk out, and be like, eh.
0: Hey. He would be dancing, for sure.
1: They would be dancing, I'd be like, fuck, do I have to dance? <laughs> um, but I decided, I took the less sexy route, clearly. Still
0: friends, still friends with Usher, though.
1: Yeah, and I'm much closer with Scooter Braun and all the people around him that were putting the deal together. And, uh, and, uh, and that's what I did, and, and from August 2011 to today, almost four years now, right about four years. Uh, you know, I grew the company from 30 to 550 people. Uh, I've opened up three new offices in LA, San Francisco and Tennessee. I grew the business from four to 65 million in revenue. Um, we are undoubtedly the hottest digital agency or top five, 10 easily in the space. We're gonna destroy everybody um, and I'm proud and, and I needed it. At that point I was becoming too much Gary V. too much am I a social media pundit. Am I the thing that that guy commented today? Am I that? I needed to remind everybody, hey, the reason that I think I'm lucky and awarded that you would come out and disrupt your day to sit here and listen to me has nothing to do with being funny and charismatic. It has to do with the fact that I can actually make shit happen and not just talk about make shit happen, not just sell courses or product like build actual businesses around these thesis's and uh, I'm very proud of that. And I almost needed VaynerMedia as much as VaynerMedia needed me because now this is my, now, you know, it's, if you're like me and you're 100% confident in yourself, it means you're 99.99999% <laughs> confident. It feels nice to have a second rodeo where in two minutes I took a company from three to 65, 70 million, no cash infusion. When Ross bought into Vayner, that went directly in mine and AJ's pockets. Um, And so, yeah, I like knowing that I know how to build big businesses.
0: Well, and the reason that everyone's here isn't just because you know how to build big businesses. I think you know how to communicate so that no matter what people are working on, they can apply your lessons, your ideas to what they're doing every single day. I mean, that's why people are here, because when, you know, you're making videos, the Ask Gary V show is entertaining, yes, but it's also informative. So I think that's just kudos to you that not only have you been able to you know, gather this experience and have some big wins, not only building companies, but investing, but you're able to communicate that and give it to, to the world so that they can do it. So, thank you for that.
1: Thank you. <laughs> thank you. And, and, and look, it's super like, it sounds nice, right? It can sound noble, but you know, I just want everybody here to know how thankful I am for you guys. Uh, I feed off of it. I mean, look, I've got that vanity, like showman, like need. Like my mom instilled so much self-esteem in me and said how great I was all the time. I think that I crave it at scale, clearly. Uh, no, but it's, it's incredible how much happiness I get. Both, you suck, you're full of shit because that shoots the competitive part of like, I'm gonna fucking kill you, right? <laughs> or like, you mean so much to me, you've helped me or I like this. Or this guy, this guy, Adam, stand up, Adam. You know, this this was really funny. Today I was at uh keep standing uh, today I was uh, at Vayner so I knew I was doing this so we did the VaynerMedia six year party and we did a scavenger hunt in Venice with the team and one of the things that we had to do in this app for the scavenger hunt was to find somebody named Bob so I had a sign that said Bob and Adam was like looking and I'm like are you Bob and he looks and he's like no but are you Gary V? <laughs> <laughs> and it was really awesome and like him stopping, us high-fiving, us taking a selfie. Then it was really cool to see. Then he like, looked on Twitter and realized this was happening so he showed up, so that's awesome. Clap it up for his hustle. You can you know how insane of a feeling it is to have somebody take videos that they're on a plane coming to see you or to be riding a fucking random bike and be like, are you him? It's so over the top. It's, I, it's something I could never take for granted. It's why before we start, instead of being over there and thinking I'm too cool for school, I'm gonna come over and sign every fucking book and take every fucking picture and do as much as I can because I'm so grateful, I'm so flattered, I'm so humbled, it's so insane, it's so incredible. I love the interaction, I learn from it too. I watch what people respond to, what, what did they get value out of, what didn't they respond to as well as I'd hoped. It helps me learn behaviors, thoughts, a lot of you have taken note of like the hacking I've been doing on Facebook video where I'm asking for you to click much bigger results because it's a feed and there's no volume, it's worked. We've now applied that to clients at Vayner that have gotten much bigger results because of it. So I'm I'm always gonna be, you know, the funny thing is I stand in front of my company like this and I, I say this proudly, I tell them, I just want you to remind all of you, the old man, here, me, I'm better at social media than all you fuckers. (laughs) And one thing thing I take enormous pride in is I am a practitioner to the bone. I do my shit. I do what I talk about. I use my Facebook mentions app and when you're saying something about me, I go into the comment sections and say thank you. The amount of people that are social media experts in this space that have absolutely, in black and white, because you can follow all the actions, in black and white, don't follow up. What they preach in their own behavior is ludicrous. And, and it's true, and that's worth a clap up because I think, and to the point of that guy who made that comment about me, I'm surprised how many people follow me and follow some of these people and equally give daps because I don't think people take the time to actually look at what people are doing and that speaks to why there's cynicism around me or anybody else. And I think as a marketplace, we've done a poor job in siphoning out the, the wannabes from, and, and that's why, and that's fine, but I'm fascinated by that. It speaks to us not doing enough homework as individuals or other things are valuable to us. And not that I want, I mean, like, there's plenty of people doing it right besides me, but there's plenty of people at the top of the pyramid right now that get accolades that I'm stunned uh, at uh, the admiration around them selling really low quality stuff, regurgitated stuff, and then charging for it on stuff that's commoditized. It's an interesting landscape to me. Well,
0: When you talk about it in Jab, 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 Right Hook, uh, I think that one of the posts that you have in Facebook is Lil Wayne. And right now, there's, I don't know if you know this, but there's probably 10 artists in the same uh, same kind of category, reaching the same fans, that are just regenerating content. And they're doing exactly what you talked about in the book. They're kind of shooting themselves in the foot and trying to run a mile through social media. And I, you know, I think that uh, the reason that, you know, I-
1: I'm gonna jump in real quick, because I want everybody to hear this, because I think this really matters. The reason it's okay for Lil Wayne, and I'm not kidding, you don't have to be great at social media. Guys, Apple doesn't even do social media. Like, the reason it's okay for Lil Wayne is because he's a fucking sick rapper. (laughs) Like, what he actually does for a living is good. And so maybe he's not great at marketing it the way that we think there's a lot of value in marketing. What I'm saying is there's a lot of people that are marketing, what they're selling isn't good. Like, to me, I don't mind, I mean, this is an example of Lil Wayne not doing good marketing and he's leaving upside, right? But,
0: But he's Lil Wayne. So it, it matters much And less, that's right? the point,
1: right? Like You can win on being a great utility or a great product. Like if your burger is delicious, like that's a good place to start. You know, like the amount of people that are like, I'm killing it on social, I'm like, yeah, but you're selling the worst fucking bracelet of all time. <laughs> like, you know, like, like, please, we're talking marketing, but please, please, please understand. The product you're selling is the variable of your success. Right, like, like if your product is shit, there is no great marketing that's gonna save you. As a matter of fact, this is really interesting, as a matter of fact, if you're great at marketing and your product's shit, it actually exposes you quicker because you have more awareness to how sucky you are. <laughs>
0: So what happens when do brands come to you and their product is shit and, and you tell them that? Or are most of the brands that work with Vayner?
1: Yeah, we, we're so expensive that like, like we may not like them, but these are companies that are like selling billions of dollars worth of stuff. So usually it's more that they're just spending money on dumb shit like TV commercials.
0: And when, you, when you're sitting down with a 25 year old you know, marketing person in one of these big companies, how often do people actually disagree with your ideas?
1: Very often. Most of my clients go through business school and are taught about marketing behavior that existed 15 years ago and are in organizations that reward that behavior. And so, as a matter of fact, the far majority of my clients don't either know what the fuck I'm talking about and or actually deeply disagree with it. What's been good for Vayner is I've been so right about a lot of stuff that you know certain clients believed They've gone to other, our Pepsi client went to Mondelez, which is the former craft, you know, Oreo, Bubblicious, Ritz. So he took us along, you know, like, so only now do they agree more, but the first five years we were selling something. The most impressive part of VaynerMedia's growth is we were selling something nobody wanted to buy. I'm being dead serious. Which is why it's, we're so set for ridiculous growth. Why we're set to be a $200 million company in the next two, three, four years. You know, because now people actually do want to buy this stuff, so almost always, which is great. I mean, I, I don't, I you know, listen, if they disagree too much, first of all, I'm not gonna be in the room if they completely disagree, right? They don't, they, they're busy too. Yeah. Um, but if, if I feel that they're really disagreeing, we'll just stop even courting them because I'm not interested in changing somebody's mind. Um, luckily, in 2011, 12, 13, they needed some level of social, you know?
0: Yeah. So. Will Vayner live forever?
1: Yes. Yeah? My main plan with Vayner Media is for it to be at the center of everything I do for the rest of my life. That, uh, you guys gotta go? All right, go.
3: <laughs> you
1: don't want it to be
0: weird, you know? thanks for coming. See Thank you.
1: Let's boo these guys. <laughs> uh, he,
0: so. He did fly from Phoenix, both of them. Alright, let's yeah. cheer for him. Yeah, there we go. Oh, he oh, drove from oh. Phoenix?
1: Oh, Alright. He drove through a caved in road? All right, let's clap it up for these fuckers. <laughs> Fine. Um, uh, I was just thinking they played a real game of Pitfall. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> I'm just going in television in my mind. Um, so, what were we talking about?
0: VaynerMedia living forever.
1: I need VaynerMedia to live forever because my plan is I want to build the greatest marketing company of all time that's evergreen and for me and each year we will graduate the top 1% and I will deploy them to be the CMOs or executives within my investments or the brands that I buy. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. I really, I really think it's the model and the gateway drug for me to buy the New York Jets. I think that this machine is, I mean look, Vayner, Vayner has been valued, at, people, I mean everybody's trying to buy VaynerMedia and the numbers are very high. You know, hefty, hefty nine-figure deals. Like life-changing, like fucking rich shit. But it's just super not interesting to me because I think it's gonna bring me disproportionate value as these kids and youngsters who now intimately work with me for three, six, 10 years and we become brothers and sisters. It's nuts, I mean, I've got something really brewing. I think, I think, um, I think the, the human empire that I'm trying to build, that is predicated on not just what I want, but like what does Kathy want in life? Is it money right now? Is its it, is it work life balance later? Is it empowerment? Is it creativity? Is it who? I don't care, but I have a read on 200 of the 550 employees, like on every aspect of what makes them tick. And in a couple more months, I'll have 280 people logged. Like I spend a disproportionate amount of time on HR because I'm trying to build a, I'm literally trying to build the reverse of what Steve Jobs did,
0: right? Break that down.
1: Steve Jobs built an empire on being a dick face. I want to build an empire on being awesome. And, and he got away with it because he was great at other things but it wasn't in him, like he wasn't thinking about like, and by the way, more, far more people, and I'm talking 98% of people believe in his version, like I and I disproportionately lose on betting on people like in the short game, but I just have a funny feeling, one, for my own soul, it's just the only move I'm gonna be able to do, but two, I can start seeing for the first time some interesting things in the tea leaves that have me very excited about the disproportionate ROI you get by building a true family over the long haul.
0: So we're gonna ask, you know, a couple more questions and then I'm sure all of you came with your questions. Is that right? Okay. All right, we're gonna get to that very shortly. So uh, talk about your hiring, right? Because you're not hiring like other agencies are hiring. Who are you looking for? Anybody. I'm not joking. How about this?
1: We hire fast as fuck because nobody, no human being. I think I have the great, remember, I want to get fucking dug up for my EQ and I've made tons of hiring mistakes in my career. Tons. Not a few, tons. Cause it's hard. So I'm a big believer in hiring fast when you're growing. Make it very entrepreneurial. Be upfront with them. Ben, listen, this is an entrepreneurial place. If you want reviews every six months, if you want the greatest onboarding, if you want structure, this is not for you. That's everybody else. Everybody else. This is come in, figure it out. We've got some structure, thank God, finally. But you're gonna roll, you're gonna learn context. You know, this is how it's gonna be. Hire that fast and then basically start auditing from day one and, start, and so I, spend a, I probably spend more time on what I do for somebody after they get fired or leave than while they're even at Vayner. Based on this thesis which is hire fast, fire fast because then you get the real story. I mean everybody when they're getting hired, nobody here in a job interview has ever remotely resembled themselves in real life at that moment. <laughs> It's just a completely different, it's literally your PR agent. <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's not you. And more importantly, even if it was you, that has nothing to do with you in the context of the job at hand that starts tomorrow.
0: So... Have you ever had to do an interview before? Like, for, you've I'm, never had to interview for am
1: interview. I'm Oh, have I ever? No. Yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> I
0: didn't think so.
1: <laughs> no. I was about to say, I have an interview after this talk. Really? Um, yeah, meeting a very uh, a senior per, a person that I'm looking to hire for LA. Yeah, and I, you know, that's just like that's like I woke up at six. I woke up at three a.m., three forty-three a.m. to like get on my six a.m. flight on the East Coast, which is three o'clock, your, which was midnight your time, and and I'm doing this fucking thing, and then I'm going to do a fucking grinding practitioner being a CEO of a company deed of having a one-hour fucking interview to hire somebody for my business because once again I talk a ton of shit about hustle and working and I have to do it. The reason you guys like it and like stuff is because it's authentic. It's a cliche world because it's authentic because it's real. Because I really, really do work harder than all of you. It's just real. Like, it's just real. You know? And so like, fuck, you know?
0: So, Recently, you know, you you talked about on your show that you've taken your health more seriously. Yeah. Uh, And we have people people like Peter Thiel investing in life science. Yes. Do you want to live forever? Yes. if so, will you start (laughs) investing in the space?
1: I don't know if I'll invest in the space because I don't really understand it super well and it has to like feel right to me. But fuck, man. I I mean, I, my number one, let's go into a place. I never talk about down, like I'm a pretty positive dude. Like period. Let alone what you guys get to see. I'm so scared to become bitter in my older age. I love the process and the game so much that like I like I turned 40 in November and I'm telling you right now just like what happened to me at 30, I'm starting to freak out. I think this whole new health thing started a year ago because of it. Like I'm I just really really don't want to die. Like 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 in a way that I've in a way that's like uncomfortable. Like I'm definitely l- a little fucked up, you know? Like I I man, if somebody told me that that we literally are gonna figure that out. I would. That I mean. I want to live forever.
0: Good. I wanted to know. No, and that's a question that was actually sensitive. to me. I don't I think it's give important. a shit
1: if I'm like look like fucking Yoda. I just.
0: That would be cooler, I think. Actually. Yeah.
1: I just want to live. Like, I said this. Some. How many of you guys saw my uh, my Monday morning rant video? So, like, in that video, like, I was. I'm pretty improv in general. In that video, a bus drives by, I'm like, you could have been a fucking bus. And I really mean that. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever thought about this the way I have. Like, do you know how insane it is to be a human being? Like, I don't like like I don't know, like, I don't wanna get all zenny here for a second, but like oh, please do. Please but like, do. like just let's not just take, like, take a step back. Like, like, what if your mom was just tired? that night, <laughs> like, 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 the, the, the math behind actually being lucky enough to become a person,
0: you're the chosen one,
1: it's, you're, it's, 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 it's like, it's insane, and so I cherish that, I recognize that, I believe in that, I believe, look, like, I'm glad that I'm, a, like, I don't want to be a fucking dog. Like, I don't want to be a tree. Like, fuck those things. Like, I'm so pumped. Like, we're the ultimate. Yeah. Like, like and and so I'm super grateful and I want to squeeze everything out of it. And that doesn't mean just 24-7 hustle. I was checked the fuck out last week in Hunterdon County, New Jersey. with my. I, I decided to tape an episode with my dad because I wanted to do that for him because I knew he'd get a lot of love and he loves it. You know, but but I was checked out. I, I, you know, When I work, I'm in it, but I'm, you know, from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. on Sundays, this entire fall and winter, you could call me and tell me, Gary, if it's second quarter Jets, and you text me, and I take out my phone, and you say, Gary, if you text me back right now, I will give you $40 million. I will literally not reply. I am fully all in, that is my complete escapism. I need that, I love that. I'm always scared that I talk so much about hustle. You know, here's a good example. Lizzie and I have made it a very big point to be very private about our children. As you guys know, Misha's six, Xander's three, it's kind of, you know, there's a couple, but it's like really, I mean, Xander, I don't think anybody's ever seen that dude, right? Like, I don't really, you know, I don't share that, so I get some pushback of like, Gary, you say family first, but you don't, it's because I don't talk about that part of my life. Like, you're not gonna hear a whole lot from me on the weekends, you're not gonna hear from me at all seven weeks a year when I'm doing, last two weeks of August, I'm not gonna be talking with you. There's not gonna be Ask Carrie B shows. Like I'm all in doing that. And, and starting in the fall, you're not gonna hear from me from 5 to 6 p.m. every day because I'm gonna go home and spend an hour with the kids and either give them a bath or eat dinner with them. Like I'm doing a lot of it, it's just a part that I'm not communicating. And honestly, I wish I could. The truth is I wish I could. I actually wish I could do a little bit more of it. I'm passionate, it's not just a Lizzie thing. I'm passionate enough to do it either. I think too many people are overexposing their kids. Not normal every day, but like if you start getting some level of attention. But I only wish I did because I wish I could show a more rounded story publicly to everybody so that it doesn't feel like, especially after I go and say, I right, fucking outwork, you fucking suck. It's like shit, <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, I'm playing my life, everybody's gotta, you know, I can work 18 hours a day or 24 hours a day, when I'm doing it, because I love it so much. Like, me being me, doing me, doing this right now, having that meeting, like, having that meeting 24 hours into being, doing my thing, that's my oxygen. Like, like I, I, I'm so blessed to be doing what I love.
0: Well, and I think the, that it makes sense to us that we don't see that part of your life, because in, in what you do when you're, you know, running your business, you're all in. When you're with your family, I think it's obvious to everyone that you're all in.
1: And when I'm watching Jets, I'm the most all-in. <laughs> There's a really good story I've never told. The Bills played the Jets two seasons ago. There was a Bills fan in the front row in front of me. The Jets came out and blitzed them. I was bombarding this dude and his dad, like making it really, like I get pissed when other fans come into my section because I go to a lot of road Jet games and I get my ass kicked and I hate it. And it's, being a, going on the road in an NFL game and wearing the other team's jersey it's just not fun especially when you lose a lot and so i'm i try to make it uncomfortable for the uh, opposing fans so anyway no big deal i really fuck with this guy like you fucking fuck buffalo's a shit city fuck you all this, this stuff this guy's like 27 right and his dad i make okay. it really I'm like get the fuck out the jets are blitzing him too it's like 31 like jets had a wonderful afternoon i'm like get the fuck out of here leave now like they leave he's super uncomfortable i'm literally the worst version of myself as a human being, as a Jets fan, there's no doubt. Everywhere else, I really feel good about the way I roll. Jets, there was a 14-year-old Patriot fan five years ago walking by me, I checked him into the fence. <laughs> <laughs> like it's so ridiculously inappropriate. You guys have heard of the, of the uh, term uh, beer muscles, right? Somebody gets drunk and wants to fight. I literally have sports muscles. Right, I'd rather get my ass kicked than go unconscious than to let somebody like make fun of my Jets. Like it's crazy. (laughs) Anyway, I drill this guy, like six months later just doing my thing on Twitter, engaging with everybody guy goes, hey Gary, where are your jet tickets? I'm like, oh, 50-yard line. He goes, I fucking knew it. You're such a piece of shit. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit. It was the worst. It was like when the two worlds collide. I'm like, no, not a fuck. I like DM'd him. I'm like, oh, fucking be your best friend. I'm sorry. Oh, man. It's like I come out of that bubble. So like that's the place I'm like the crazy, like I am crazy. AJ just moved into his new home last year. His next door neighbor came over to watch the game. He like mispronate. He like mispronounced the player's name. I dismantled him and made him leave the house. <laughs> so it gets a little weird.
0: No, it's true. I you know before the interview, obviously Gary has a lot of content, so I read as much as I could, watch some videos. But the best stuff I got was talking to his assistant Matt.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. go ahead, go ahead. Yeah,
0: Demario told me some stuff. So uh, <laughs> some of it I won't mention, but. Uh, What he did say is, you know, I asked him, what gets Gary down? You know, what kills Gary? Uh, What really, like, ruins his week? And I was expecting, you know, maybe you lose a client or uh, pretty much all he cares about is the Jets in regards (laughs) to uh, tough times. He says, if the Jets lose, you can tell by how Gary's walking around. He's sad. He's pissed off. He's a Jets fan. So, it, it's the truth.
1: The funniest thing going on at Boehner now is when the Jets lose, literally at 4.09 or at 7.30, all of a sudden you just see this huge inbox of people canceling meetings with me on Monday. Decline, <laughs> <laughs> decline, decline, declined, cancel, cancel, cancel.
0: Uh, well, now we're going to
1: open up to questions. Maybe we'll get 30 minutes of this? Yeah, let's Let's, do that it. We'll yeah. let's just, we're going to go, we're just going to go. Carl has the mic, Carl, so. I want to just basically, kind of, and you can't pick every first so it'll take forever, right. so like, all right.
2: What would be the best way to approach someone like you, or an angel investor who is maybe somewhat hard to get to, yeah. or get their attention because you're just doing so many things? And an email is you're not going to read the email, or you're not going to watch the video. I'm going to give What's you like a, the best way to
1: pitch I'm, you. I'm going to give you a really, really good answer that a lot of people here are going to think is not practical, and I believe leads lends itself to why I think a lot of people here won't ever build a big company. The number one way to pitch me or other prominent angels or investors is to not ever pitch us and have us come to you. It's just, it's just so crazy like, like, like first of all, the amount of people that are in really good investors that are investing right now on things that don't have traction is very far and few between. What you should recognize in my opinion is, oh my God, There's a lot of people that want to be angel investors now because everybody wants their Facebook. There's a ton of dumb money running around. I need money. Of course you want me or sock or more, like I get it. But fuck, first let me sell the guy who made a lot of money in real estate who's gonna give you 100,000 because you're his Mark Zuckerberg, right? Use that money to actually be successful and then have leverage to have us come to you. I really believe, the thought of like, Nobody who's at the top game, even the second tier, is interested in hearing your idea. But you've never done
2: a seed round lately?
1: We do a ton of seed, okay. but I'm not doing that. My team's going through a ton of stuff. You're gonna have to win with Phil or Sean Chang to even get it to me. And we'll still do seed, even my new big round where I gotta write five and $10 million checks, I'm still gonna do seed, it's my DNA, I like it. But I don't love it, you know what I mean? Like, and, you'll, and it'll never start with me. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so. That's just, you know, the good news is, Saka's got Mazio, I got Phil. Like, You can get there, but you're not, you're getting a different person, one, which is has a whole different dynamic. Um, I still think the way to go is get the fastest money in. There's a ton of dumb money, tons. Everybody wants to write a $25,000 check to an idea. Get the money, execute, use it as leverage. Yeah.
3: Let's go, let's go over here. I'm right here too, but does anyone in the back have any questions? Anyone in the far back? All right, go ahead, make it over the you I Hi Gary,
2: Stuart Harvey, I'm nervous as fuck. Um, okay. <laughs> 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 Don't worry, Stuart, we got this. <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't be, but man. Um, so, uh, I run social media for two people, for Tito Ortiz, which I'm not planning to and I run social media for a better beer company out like of Chicago. Awesome, with you, closer to Mike. With you having a background in a wide library, on social media, especially Instagram and Facebook, for uh, the beer company, yeah, what can I do to to get us to get us more engagement, and more followers? Right now, my plan is to ship out, you know, free or whatever beer to people that have you know big accounts, get sponsored, you know, get yeah, of course. Good.
1: What what would you tell? There's me? Two, There's going to be two tactics for, and Instagram's the right place to be playing. There's two tactics, right? One, and one's got a nuance within it. No question, the Instagram celebrities are disproportionately powerful. And, and there's two versions for you. You need to go, to all, you need to go map the you know, 50 to 200 beer celebrities. And these are people that are gonna have 1,000 followers, 4,000, 9,000. Then you've got the whole world of like very attractive women. Can you get one of them and pay them five, $10,000 for them because you can get a huge play there. And then there's a whole bunch of mix of everybody else. And so, you've got that world. Influencers is an incredible gateway to awareness, to customer acquisition. The arb around that, the arbitrage around that is gonna come in the fall winter when Instagram's got an ad product and you can use Facebook's entire back end and you'll target you know, craft beer enthusiasts and you'll show up in the feed and you're gonna use money that way. So, Facebook's gonna get your money. Influencers are gonna get your money. Um, I think that you need to be smart about other things, including Way too many people are being lazy and not getting educated on the five to 10 hashtags that they should be putting into every post that gets them organic. Uh, um, so, you know, th- those are very simple, hardcore tactics. Go ahead. And then, last call, yeah. It has to do with it. How many more quote pictures do I have to make for you to get you to hire me? How many more quote pictures <laughs> of me do, I have, do you have to make for me to hire you? Yes. So, do you live in this area? Yeah. Well, listen, we're about to hire an outrageous amount of people in L.A. because we have a lot of new business coming. So you should email me personally at Gary at VaynerMedia. Here's what I can promise you. I will fast forward your process to getting that back. You. You. you got it, man. Stay here for a while. Let's let Yeah, go to Dan. Let, let's stay in this area. No, or, yeah, stay here and then we'll just keep going. This way you don't have to back bounce back and forth. Thank forward, you so you know?
3: much. Gary, first and foremost, I just want to thank you.
1: I want to thank you because that macho man, you know that, that. excuse me, that Ultimate Warrior Hulk Hogan thing you brought to me at VaynerMedia's office in New York when we met is still one of my favorite things in my office, so I appreciate wow.
3: it. I, I, you know, what I love is actually meeting people and learning from them, and one of the biggest things, rather than the question, I just want to say that I really learned that you're a real person. Because over the years, I've met a lot of high-profile people, and you find that they're one person on stage and when you get to meet them sort of sure. from off stage, away from stage, you're a completely different person. Yeah. And in the 30 minutes that we met, we chatted a little bit, I really found out, you're the real guy on stage as much as off stage, and that, that really fired me up even more. And then I got on a plane from Toronto at six this morning to fly here just to be for this, I'm flying right back to Moore. So all I want to do is thank you very much for everything you do and inspiring everyone here. Thank you, brother. Okay. Oh, when I got back from New York, my 16 year old daughter, she's now 17. Give him the mic,
1: and then can pass it to the lady behind him.
3: My daughter, she's also read your book, but when I got back from New York, the one thing she said to me was, did you get a picture with Gary? And I thought, fuck, I was <laughs> in office for 30 minutes, and I forgot to, to ask you for a picture. So before we leave
1: Do you, it right now, while, while we're passing the mic behind you. Pass the you mic behind phone? you. you yeah. yeah, get up here and we'll do that. Yeah, you can go. Okay, I just want to thank you, first of all, I, I just found out about you just earlier this month and I... I'm aware, we engaged a little bit. I saw, I, 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 I know this. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so I've been completely vision in my... Give me 13 what, seconds. <laughs> 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 all
2: right, all
1: right. Thanks so much. Go ahead. I've been completely vision in my life and my career and so I have absolutely no social media experience. I just joined Twitter a couple of weeks ago. Yep. And so now I'm writing. I'm, I want to go into this whole new industry. Is it better, do you think, for me to align with Because I just read question. I just heard it on audio last night. Thank you. Um, is it better for me to try to learn this out organically? Because I love learning. I, I, I've been obsessed with it. Sure. started, And I love it. But is it the whole go slow and speed up because you've got to go faster? Is it better for
4: me to
1: someone who knows slow. what they're doing? Always, right? Like, who do you want to learn basketball from? LeBron or fucking LeShmam, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, So always. I, I think the more interesting part is, and, and this is where I think you know we can connect on this. I also, as you can imagine as you're getting to know me, I get super pumped. But the reason I think I've been successful is as soon as I get super pumped, I get super slow. Right, and so like look, everything's gonna be there. Like, you know, the nice thing about this space is, you might be behind on Instagram and Pinterest and Facebook and Twitter and Tumblr, but tomorrow, Shmugga is gonna come out <laughs> and you have just the equal chance as I do to be good at it, right? You know, Meerkat came out, a lot of my fans are the disproportionate leaders in that space because they moved quickly. I mean literally, like the 10 people that are winning on Meerkat are literally people that were ask, watching Ask Gary Vee during episodes 60 to 80. It's crazy for me to watch. So i tell you two things. Slow is always better. It just is. Slow is a more guaranteed factor to success than fast. Fast feels better in a lot of ways, but sl- I, my answer would be slow. I think you should follow a lot of different things, see what feels right to you. But most of all, don't be a headline reader. Be a practitioner. Get every account. Try things. Follow people. Do things. Put out content. Taste it. Thank you so much. You're welcome.
3: We're off Twitter. Go out to Twitter. How do I? Oh, Twitter. oh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Very nice, Carl. Thank you.
1: Yeah, pass it. Let's just keep passing in this general area. How's oh, hey, you? man. How are you? My
2: name's Eli Gamo.
1: L.A.? L.A. GABO. You live in L.A. too? No, I live in uh, Southern California, San Diego. Fuck, that would have been way better. <laughs> L.A. from L.A. Alright, so you're L.A. from SD. Yes. Alright, good. So, so you know you said hire fast when you're going Closer to
2: your Like, You know you said hire fast yes. when you're going. Yes. you said you, you hire you hired anybody, right?
1: Yeah. So my question. I mean anybody that's qualified through like, the interview <laughs> process. So Not like, question. oh, cool. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> so my question is, what do you ask for an interview? Behavior.
1: You know what, I actually have no fucking idea at this point what people ask when I interview, like tonight. All I'm trying to do is figure out what makes the person tick. I actually think it's my responsibility to make it awesome for you, not for you to prove it to me that you deserve to work here. I think that's where bosses fuck shit up. You, These are people that are coming to work for something that you're driving. So I actually, when I hire, am less worried about you and impressing me I'm trying to figure out what makes you happy and do I think I can deliver on that Um, so I'm asking a lot of psychological questions I ask a lot of questions about siblings I ask questions about ambition I ask questions about history I spend the first 15 minutes of an interview trying to get somebody very very cozy and for them to understand we're on the same team like you you want to work here well good because I want to hire you Like, it'd be really cool if I can hire you right now because then I don't have to fucking interview the next person, right? So, you know, I'm playing a little bit of a different game. I know that because all the interviews I'm doing, you know, everybody after the 30, 40 minutes are like, fuck, that was different, right? So I'm playing a little bit of a different game. I'm trying to reverse engineer what you care about more so than, I'm not really looking for anything. I mean, all 550 people are so fucking different, comes in different shapes and sizes. So that's that's what I'm looking for, you know, 85% 85% of the people getting hired at Vayner, I'm not touching. You know, people are in place now knowing what I care about. They probably got their own more traditional things that they may care about because they're making, you know, looking for what they're looking for and that's fine. It's working for us.
0: Thank you. Yeah, you uh, got it. And I'll just say, a background on LA. Yeah. We played travel baseball together since we were how old? Like 12, 13? I like that. We, had, we unconnected in a while. I saw his Instagram blowing up. He does uh, if, if everyone should take out their phones, if you're on Instagram, it's fanatic5. Him and three of his, or four of his friends, make the most incredible baseball trick videos I have ever seen. That's awesome. And so what, I, I was like, LA, what what the fuck is going on? How do you have 20,000 followers in a night, right? And he told me, you heard of Gary Vee before? <laughs> I said, okay, man, you're coming out, you're coming out to LA. And he told me all about your talk that you did uh, a couple years back and how it changed his life uh, changed the way he marketed, and he's killing it right now. And that's you know, why he's here, that's why he's in the front row. And so give it up for LA. I,
1: I think what's interesting in hearing about this, and I don't know how LA was marketing before, but I'm going to use you saying it and triggering my head. I'm not confused that a lot of people that are initially attracted to me are actually the exact kind of marketers that I don't believe in. It's a very weird thing, and I'm not saying LA's that just made me think of that. So many of the people that, you know, like me, think that I'm a quick, fast, make a quick buck kind of because of my personality, and it's been really interesting for me, you know, and especially what blows me away is so many people are so young. You know, when you're 24, you have time. Shit, when you're 44, you have time. And so like, I, I just don't, I don't understand the mentality of trying to go for the quick score, or the fluffy, you know, it's quality stuff. Those trick videos, clearly I can't wait to look at it. They're clearly fucking cool. It's quality, now you can start getting something not, I don't know, anyway, cool, let's move on.
2: Also, they have over 20,000 followers on their Instagram so it's pretty cool. I love it.
1: By the way, I, I could see by like seeing the hands as it goes over there being like, fuck, how am I gonna get a question? <laughs> I don't know if you heard, but I got this cool little show. <laughs> so anybody who doesn't get in, please ask it. I, I'll, you know what? By, by not only tagging AskGaryV, but tagging whatever hashtag you're using. Yep, I'll try to time. go. Th- I'll try to go through a couple of weeks of trying to get through as many of those as possible.
2: What's up, Gary? Thanks so much for coming out. My name is Jeff. I knew I had to make it out here. I knew I had to make it out here, even though I have a broken foot. Uh, by the way, I've only been living in L.A. for about six months. I'm originally from Aberdeen, New Jersey. No shit. That's from Edison. So
1: Dude, was, you, you want to hear something crazier? The second wine library was almost—I mean, it was the closest I'd ever been to opening a second wine library in two thousand seven. Was in Aberdeen. on thirty-five. By right. By right. My best friend Pete—he he saw you at AdTech in twenty thirteen. He told me the entire story. I literally almost bought that, <laughs> that fucking store. It was so close.
2: So I have a question for you about self-awareness actually. Okay. Um, So it's interesting. Because I've been
1: starting to talk a lot more about that. I've
2: noticed. Yeah. So there are a lot of people that are extremely passionate about something. That doesn't come naturally to them. And there are also people that have a talent that they don't
3: necessarily enjoy
1: doing. What are you, in a wind tunnel? I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) Really? All right. I can hear, but like, they'll fix that. But basically, Right, because you're, you know, it's interesting. You're playing both sides of it. I like to use the example of, you know, those people that are going on American Idol that really are stunned that they suck shit. <laughs> you're actually also brought up an interesting point that I don't think about as much, which is you're the greatest ex. You just can't see it. Okay, go ahead. For
2: sure. So basically what I want to ask you is that if somebody is extremely passionate about something that doesn't come naturally to them, yes. should they not pursue it because it's not a strength? Or should they go for anyone?
1: So this is the most interesting. Bro, I'm so pumped you asked this question. I'm glad we're getting to say it here. If you're not great at it, but you love it more than life, should you go after it? The, to me, the answer is yes. The problem is, please also recognize you're probably not going to get rich. Like, if you love basketball more than life, it's just what you always loved, you might just make... a year being a basketball coach and having a lot of time on your hand to play basketball. It's just, you gotta understand, you can't have everything all the time always. It's just life. So I think I got lucky. I loved business more than anything, all this shit that I like, sales, communicating, and I was good at it, right? But there is a ton of people, my closest friends, family members that You know, and then the other question becomes the yang to that, which is, what if you're great at something but you don't love it? You're a great salesman and you can make 250 a year. Look, everybody has to make their own decisions. Not to mention, why the fuck do you have to make one decision for your entire life? Maybe the game plan is, you do something you don't love for seven years, you save up some fucking money, and then you spend the rest of your life doing what you wanted to do. Like, I don't know, I think as we're getting healthier, living longer, like, I mean, Man, when I was 16 thinking of a 40-year-old, that fucking person was like dead, right? <laughs> now it's like shit, right? Especially because I've started hanging out with real ballers who are like 76 and 82 and like fucking 79, Like they're like, all right, in 10 years, I'm like, in 10 years you're gonna be dead, dick. <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, so I think that, um, I'm fascinated, I think we're getting more educated, the internet's gonna bring a lot of great things to humans, it's in a lot of ways, a lot of bad things, but like, a lot of great things. I think one of the greatest things is we're gonna reinvent the way we can live our lives. So I would say I think happiness trumps everything. Easy for me to say because it really worked out for me because happiness coincides with financial upside. I have friends who make $74,000 a year that are just happier people than friends that are making 18 million a year that are not. You've gotta do you, but please don't let the entrepreneurial society, don't let me, don't let your parents push you into what success is. It's different for all of us. But, and this is the big but, you gotta be self-aware about it. Like, you gotta know that, you know, like, you know what I don't like? Complaining. If you know you've decided you wanna make money, and you're gonna do it for seven years, I don't wanna hear you fucking complaining about it every day, like, shut your fucking mouth, work for seven years, save us money, and go fucking surf for the rest of your life. So, that's where my mindset's on. Like, go all in on what this, like, too many people make a decision and then cry about their decision every fucking second. You made a fucking decision, own it, live it, sleep in that bed, move on. You don't like it? Change it, dick. It's crazy. Hey Gary. Hey you. Dad? How are you? Uh, I'm from Nashville. I'm, a- I'm aware. Oh. I know who you are. Oh so, I'm a full time musician. I found a strength in growing my business and my brand with strategic corporate alliances.
0: <laughs> What's going on? This wind tunnel's <laughs> fucking <laughs> creepy as shit. <laughs> and, uh, and so, a lot of
2: other artists, you know, we have a lot of celebrity access in Nashville. And yes. Here. And so, a lot of other artists, they would kill for that, man. They would kill to be here and be fly on this wall and say, hey, man, with your brain. Yes. And so, I got uh, 11 celebrities, YouTube stars, 5 stars platinum selling artists to each write a chapter of a book. It hit a good yep.
1: bestseller list on Amazon today. Congratulations. So, but am I trying to teach too early? There's a slight demand, but I'm worried about brand new future. So, you, so you're worried that you're going into, like, and I need to ask you some more questions. Are you saying that you're already making the transition into, I'm an artist, I was an artist, I am an artist, I'm gonna teach you how to do things as an artist? Yeah, absolutely. People are asking questions. This one's a challenging one for me. I understand what you're saying. Like, you know, and I've been on record saying like there's way too many under 30-year-old gurus who haven't done it yet. What the fuck are they selling their expertise on? I mean, look, your story's interesting, right? You were on season two of The Voice, right? Yeah. So like, you know, you know, how... (laughs) I pay attention to every one of you every time you talk to me. I just really need you to wrap your heads around that. Um... You know, how much of that is the disproportionate reason that you were able to get away? Like, not everybody's gonna have season two of The Fucking Voice, right? And so, like, my intuition, and I don't know you super well, is just by you asking the question, you know that you probably are at some level, but you also recognize the upside of people wanting, like, it's so hard to not be in the advice business and monetize it, because so many people are searching for it, and uh, this was what I was alluding to earlier where like, I think a lot of people are selling it that haven't done it. You know, I, uh, you, know, I'd much ra- you know, I say this a lot and this is not a diss on you. I always say to people, if you're gonna read a business book, why don't you read it from somebody who actually built the business? Like Tony Shea has more clout. Like Jason Freed has more clout. Like people that are just talking about it that never actually built any other business besides talking about it is a problem. For me, when I think about you, I'd much rather hear it from an if it's four artists, artists that have gone further in their career than you have at this point. All of them have. <laughs> of artists, they're, they're way more known. Than me. You know, and so I, I think you're being smart. You're being strategic, right? You've had the gusto and the ability to get these 11 artists that have had success, what you're doing is you're siphoning their brand equity. I think a lot of, there's a lot of smart people in this room I think they're being very smart about how they're using other people's brands to disproportionately build. Very smart, I get it, cool. I think you need to be honest. You know, I think I think, um, I, think I love Q&A, it hasn't happened here yet, but maybe I've alluded to in one or two questions where maybe I won't fully answer it. I'll say I haven't dug into that deep enough yet. Like. I think it's okay for you to say like I don't know this part but you know I think that too many people want to act like they know everything about everything. The reason I feel that way if that's what you feel about me is cuz I stay in a very narrow lane. Like I don't talk a lot about SEM with you cuz I'm not in it right now. Like you know like I stay in my lane and so my advice to you would be you could probably weirdly have a little bit of both but make sure you don't fake the funk and talk about shit that you haven't done yet. Stick there. Stick to stick to what allows me in a world where tons of people are hitting me up to know who you were. Like, what are the tactics that you're using to get 11 people to write for you? Like, stick to the stuff that's actually working versus what sounds right or what you think people want to buy. Thank
0: you. You're welcome.
1: on Yeah, this dude I saw on Facebook right on the way here. Hey,
2: Gary. Quick question. Up. Yeah. The, the open Raiders passed on. Leonard Williams,
3: first round draft. Yes. You guys picked him up, I was bummed out about it. How do you feel about
1: that pick? I'm super pumped, so we, you know, I don't know how many of you are, are huge USC fans. How many people are USC fans? <laughs> so, I think we stole the kid. We got a player this year in the draft, Leonard Williams, who a lot of people thought was the best player in the draft. We got him at six. He was no way supposed to go past five. So, I'm super pumped. And I've always wanted a player with big hair. So we finally have a player that's gonna have the hair popping out of the helmet. So that, that in its own vanity reasons, has me excited. And thank you so much for this. I saw this on Facebook today. Thanks, brother. This is
2: handmade, custom. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. Can Can I take a
1: picture with you? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Thank you. Thank you, my man. My bear.
2: (laughs) Also do weddings. I can hold my book. Can I show you my book? Yeah. No problem. What's this weird thing this dude's ho- doing? a uh, camera. That's a camera,
1: oh, not okay, a cool. It's huh? fucking weird. <laughs> bear? 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 One more, one more, where's oh, the
2: bear? Here, where's the bird? where's the bear? Here, wait, I'll just hold okay.
1: him up. Cool. let him photobomb. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right, gentlemen. Good. Hey, good Hi, luck, luck. Hey, this year. So thank you so much, you Stay well.
1: Please, thank you. All right, let's keep this going. do a couple more and then I gotta go. So maybe two or three more. Gary. Yeah.
3: To
2: the back,
1: right yeah, go to the back a little bit. We'll do three or four back there.
2: Uh, first of all, thank you for being here. I've been following you for five whole days. And, uh, <laughs> no shit. I, I totally uh, I dove right in here. How'd you I find me five days ago? Uh, on Facebook. Yeah. Up, Was it me. the USC video? Uh, no, I have four friends who posted about you. I actually went through like five hours of your video, so I don't even know where I started, but I love it. <laughs> uh, uh, so, my question to you is what are your thoughts on the new top level domains coming out? Like yes. Got everything. Stuff. Yeah. What do you think that's going?
1: I think, it, that's a great question. Thanks, man. So this is, a, again, this is fun. This, literally, I just was alluding to it. I, I'm, pay, I'm actually weirdly paying a little bit of attention to the top level domain game, uh, but it's definitely not my expertise. Um, I was, I, I bought some domains back, I mean, I owned some crazy shit back in 96 because nobody knew what the hell was going on, but I kind of fucked up that game. I could have put down probably better. Anyway, the top level domains are interesting. The world, you know, the world of like, dot Vaynerchuk, dot wine, dot house, dot, I think of everything in the world as supply and demand. And if there's unlimited supply, well the demand has to dwindle. And I think a lot of people are gonna overpay for some of the best names. They think they need it. Like it sounds great to have like Gary dot NYC, but I don't think so. I think that because depending on how ICANN lets out those top level domains, I think they're breaking the supply and demand. I think if you were a domainer, it'll be the only game that's, so first and foremost, I think supply and demand gets broken, they become less valuable. The most interesting game I think left is will .com be able to hold on to this disproportionate master kind of level or will all these other domains start to chip away and then the cost and value of .coms that gets affected? I don't think so. Definitely for the short term, five, 10 years, but further down the path, it's interesting to me. Do you think the
2: customers the market are gonna understand what it is from a marketing perspective?
1: Yeah, I think, look, I think if there's a break, if Snapchat was a break, break I mean, first of all, that's an app culture, that's a whole different thing. I mean, is app culture scarier to, to domains than anything else? Is smart technology, is virtual reality, you know, like how Princess Leia fucking pops up? Like, that shit's coming. Like, I don't think people realize, like, like what? You think .com and the internet is like, like typing in things is the end? Like you mean the way your grandparents thought the yellow pages was the end of directories? Like, like we're just starting. Like the reason I think we could live forever is because we're all going to be fucking robots. Like that's going to happen, and they're going to win, and we're going to lose, and that's just it. <laughs> anyway, so I, I think you can sell a customer on it. Do I think there could be a breakout site in the next half decade? That's you know shoes dot shoe. I think so, um, but I, but uh, but it's. But I think I actually think by the time that game gets played out, are we even typing shit in?
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Thank
3: you. You got it, brother. Last question from Kimro
1: Let's do it. Hi. Kim uh, do you guys have another mic of any sorts? I thought there was three mics at one point.
3: to put my money that I have in my savings because I want to invest. Um, and I, Very I want to be able to create wealth
1: with my family. I
3: already have hundreds e- of thousands of dollars yep. literally just sitting there yep. and not knowing what to do with
1: it. Buy Facebook stock. Um, I think that, uh, how do you educate yourself? So I think the thing you should do is have 50 to 100 conversations with people that have invested in different things, real estate, Startups, Wall Street, and just learn. Don't don't let those dollars burn a hole in your pocket. You've got friends around you that have wealth and say to you, that cash is bad, right? Sitting on cash is bad, and they're not wrong. The dividends on sitting on cash are not great, but what's worse than sitting on cash is spending cash too fast when you don't know what the fuck you're doing, right? So I would tell you to be patient. You're young as shit. Go and have those conversations. There's unlimited information on what you should do. It's called the internet. Fucking Google it, right? But I think the other thing you should do is surround yourself. Ask around. Network your ass off. If you've got the successful business, it's either customers, it's other business partners, like it's people here. Like, make sure you find out and have 10 discussions on the pillars of wealth creation. Real estate, the stock market, investing in startups. Like, Play that game. Understand for you what you think is interesting, natural, how do you want to diversify it, and don't be pressured into spending it too fast because you feel like you're not getting your dividends against the cash sitting, which is true, but nobody ever plays out the alternative. I had a friend who had a million dollars in cash. It was burning a hole in his pocket because rightfully so, he read a lot of things that say sitting on cash in the bank is not smart. You gotta put it to work. He knew me. He invested in six startups, $150,000 each. They all went out of business. It's gone. That's not good. <laughs> you know, that you know, it'd be really nice if it was still sitting in fucking Citibank. You know, and so I would say, get educated, have the conversations. Good. Feel good about that?
3: Yeah, he does. And it's uh,
1: KimRoluma.com. Go check it out. I love it. All right, let's keep going. Hey, Gary, can
4: you hear me? I sure can, man. Awesome, so I'm from Ukraine, I'm dude that dude uh, that's been saying you know, commenting on it posts, like, hey man, I'm from Ukraine. I know who you, you are, are, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. that wait one. a minute, that might have been the best one ever. Hey man, I'm from Ukraine. I'm that guy that's been posting like, hey man, I'm from Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome.
4: You know, it's awesome. Uh, so, first of all, I want to say thank you. One, two, three, in Russia. Spasibo. Uh, I feel, you're from Belarus and from Ukraine.
1: Yeah. A sort of, connection. of course. Uh, yeah, kind of. Just uh, like I felt with this lady over here, like they of course you're from like it's just it's yeah, an, yeah. it's instant. Yeah. It's instant. Yeah. Don't worry about the wind. Right, We're cool. used to it in uh, Eastern so, Europe. <laughs> first, my mom has a restaurant in
4: Ukraine. I'm freaking running her page on Facebook, and guess what? It gets awesome results because there's nobody else marketing on Facebook. Of course.
1: Yeah. Are um, you targeting you like Ukraine speaking? Well, people? Of course, they yeah. get a restaurant
4: in Odessa and Kio. Yep.
1: And
4: uh, it's a great enough place, so try to get people come there. Awesome. Uh, anyways, so read your book, uh, got inspired, finished my job at Aston Martin Beverly Hills two months ago, and actually get in my green card right now in this country.
1: Congrats. Congrats it's a big and, moment. Thank you, guys.
4: Appreciate it. And it was funny, you were given that talk at USC. Which also, by the way, like the amount of your swearing is just awesome. (laughs) How how practical and not practical education can be. Sure. And then I realized that guy, uh, the teacher, he was uh, a prospect who actually owns an Aston War. And I was like, I've seen that guy. So actually, he knows you. So everybody in the world is kind of connected. No question. Uh, I just signed up my first, I'm doing basically the same thing, trying to run a social media company, I just started, just signed up my first client, thanks to you, thanks to your Jab, Jab, right? Yep, Uh, thank uh, you. The only question I ask, when you are running such a great company, you have so many great people, how the hell in the world are you finding the time to spend with your wife, with your kids? I'm married, I got married for three months, and she old.
1: That sounds that sounds like a good thing. Um, So this answer may not work for you because the answer was on on the specific thing that you just alluded to at the end was I was very very upfront with Lizzie when we started dating. I told her in our first date that we were gonna get married but that I also wanted to buy the New York Jets and she needed to wrap her head around that. Which, you know, I, I think the only answer is over communication, right? The only way you're gonna win this game, the only way any of us are gonna win and we all have different work-life balances, we have, there is no right answer to work-life balance because every single relationship is individual, right? But what I think you have to tell your wife is, you know, look, I'm passionate about this, this is my feelings, let's listen to yours and let's hack, right? Lizzie and I won through extremism, right? It's like all in and all in, you know, like, so this way I'm not feeling weird at 7 p.m. on a Thursday, like it's very, I would just talk, 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 talk and recognize things will change. You'll get busier It get successful. She may miss you more, other things will happen, a family. There's a million things that could happen you know, and, and bad things, you know, one of the things, I, I didn't bring this up, but as I just thought of it and something cool for you guys here, one of the things I tell my employees is, I'm prepared for all the bad things that happen in your life. Like, when, if we're gonna do this together, it's not just, we're gonna crush it and you're gonna be the CMO of Snickers, it's, <laughs> it's, I want you to know that the kind of person I am, I'm mentally prepared, mentally prepared for, and this is gonna get weird, I'm sorry to Debbie Downer, but like, what if your family dies in a car accident? Like, like when you go all in with somebody, it's everything. And so there's good times and there's bad times. And we've had, you know, we've had employees that started one week and then literally come in on the eighth day crying and, and came to me one story and she's like, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, awesome. And she was so happy because she was so scared because she worked for a week. You know, and like, like, and she was much further along. You know, good DNA, I guess there's a whole hell. Anyway, now, so it's just, you know, like you have to be prepared for everything and that's what you have to be prepared for. You have to talk, not only in the beginning, who gives a shit about the conversation that Lizzie and I had 11 years ago? A lot's changed and I need to make sure that we're communicating every day, every week, every month, every year. So it's just communication. That's the only, only, only remedy, opportunity, gateway drug to success in a world where you want to make something, um, but somebody's lonely or whatever other variable could be going on. Yeah, you. Yep, you him in. <laughs> What's that?
4: <laughs> oh, Lizzy did.
1: It's yeah. awesome. Crazy
4: consult. Crazy consult. Awesome. Man. Cool.
1: One more. Yeah, what time is it? Nine uh, forty. Fuck. okay,
4: cool, go. Really yeah.
1: Your sister. Your mom's from Babrusk? Get the fuck out of here. I'm from Babrusk, it's a small fucking place. Jesus. <laughs> I am hundred percent I'm wrapping up here. You need to come up here, I need to text my dad the name. For sure. Cool. So Anyways, I recently
4: started my own law practice.
1: Your what kind of practice? Law. law. Fuck, I can't hear blog? Law. Law practice. A lawyer, yeah. You're a fucking <laughs> lawyer? <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Go ahead. Yeah. Got it. My ideas come two ideas come from you. One of them
4: is video content.
1: 100 percent Video content for lawyers is such a huge opportunity. You need to give out advice for free because it's general advice, right? Because the case is gonna have its nuances. People, everybody wants to keep their secrets like they think they got something. You guys know this, I think it's why a lot of you like me. I'll give you all of it. Mainly because I don't think a lot of you are gonna do it. That's a Anyway, but go ahead. It's, a sto- it's the story, man, absolutely. And then they like you and they trust you and like lawyers, like that's such a big part of it. Absolutely, I'm a big fan of putting out con- like you're gonna, you're gonna win that game. I would also say that the audio podcast, I, I, Lewis, are you still here? Cool, so like Lewis houses is here, like he, he moved quickly in that space, has done extremely well. I think, I think audio podcasting, specifically in the law space, is a big white space, so give that some thought. And so like my audio podcast doesn't do as well because it's really just the audio of a video first piece of content, right? But I think an audio first piece of content in the law space has a lot of upside. Awesome. I'll talk about Thank you. Cool, man. I'll do a couple more. Hello Gary V.
3: my name is Mitchell Uh
2: Thank you so much for being here. I'm an educator in the media industry, representing the media industry out here. I love it. And uh, from educating in the beauty industry, teaching people how to style hair, I have decided to move away from the corporate side of hair education and beauty and education in general and start doing events where kind of like this where we get people who want to learn. And I was watching one of your videos where you were talking about education is starting to go at scale. And every conversation that I've been having with people about education and taking workshops to the next level. And people discourage me and say, Well, do you have to find a space for? You have to get people, and then you got to train the teachers. And all these companies like Udemy are popping up and Creative Live and all yep. these different If You're on Creative Live. Yep. Um, and I just, you know, how, how, what would you recommend to scale the educational business?
1: I mean, it's really easy. I mean, let, first and foremost, anybody that's telling you, like, no, like, they're just wrong because it's happening every day. They're saying, No, now maybe they know you, maybe, like, When You know, you may be great at the craft of it, but are you gonna be great at building an education business around that? I think back to the conversation we had earlier is, do you think you have the chops to be an operator to build that business, or do you, and this happens often, do you need what might be sitting in here? There may be 30 people in here that are actually great operators of building that, but they have no creative to do something with, right? The amount of times I've been at events like this where I'm like, fuck, her and him, shit. She's got all the fucking ops chops, he's got all the creative chops, and they're both as a, you know, I'm always worried since I had both that people think that's the way to do it. The truth is far more people are winning when there's two people, one that, because most people are actually born one or the other. Back to my parents being opposites, I think that's how I got lucky, but I think, you know, to me, what advice would I give you to build that? Seems like an interesting question because you just build it, right? Like go find somebody who'll give you space for free because they've got space that they're doing nothing with and just hustle and find it, right? Like go like work your Rolodex and use social to find teachers that are disgruntled or fit or retired but bored, or just hustle on the checkboxes that you need to actually build this business. If people are saying no to you, they're either non-winning players themselves and don't want you to win. Two, truly don't think you can do it because they think of you on the creative side and you've never showed it to them and either you do have it in you because you can do it or you don't. But I think what's way more important than what anybody else says or what I say is you going home and looking yourself dead in the mirror and asking yourself if you have the operations chop to build a business or do you need to find a 50-50 partner? She or he does that. You do the creative around that and then that's how you roll out. You got it.
0: let do one more.
1: I think we're gonna have to do the show. Hey
2: Gary, uh, my name's James uh from Australia. Thank you so much for tonight. Everything else you do, I follow you a lot
1: online. Thank I you so you much. I, I do, know. I I grew up in the wine business. I've been to Australia six times. Awesome. Uh, I knew you were from fucking Australia before you told me.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering, with so much stuff going on.
1: Yeah. Well yeah. Our and this is gonna be such a weird question and maybe this is the last question, maybe this is fitting. I truly think the answer to your question is because I'm talented at it. Like it's a weird answer, right? Like uh, people ask me this all the time, like how the fuck do you run a fund and an agency that's growing as fast and this and that, like I just think I'm good at it. Like you know what I do? It's the, the advice I just gave. I don't do anything that <coughs> I can't do. Like if I had to do these things and be a surfer, I'd lose. Right, like I stay in what I'm good at. I empower people. I'm not crippled if they fail. I know what to do and I know how to pick up the pieces. Nothing's gonna go directly out of business. I've always got enough of an eye on it. Um, I surround myself with good people. I teach them. I'm patient. I didn't need all these things to happen six years ago even though I could've, right? I could've had a fund and an like, but I didn't. So I think I have a good cadence and a good patience and let things come naturally, don't force it. I always try to extend myself too far. I have multiple initiatives not working well within Vayner and outside of Vayner, but that's okay because they won't sink the entire thing and all I need is one to do well and that gets interesting. Um, I think I'm an operator. I think it's what I'm good at. I think I'm capable of running several businesses. And so um, it's based on my own talent and it's based on the trust and the family dynamics of the people that I surround myself with. And it's based on all my principles of being patient, being good at what you do, staying in the lane, like letting it come to you. Started with the first fucking question. How do you pitch me? Easy. Have me email you. And so, that's a scoop. I thank you guys so much for sitting through such a long night. Thank you so much.